don't mind gathering in here we're going to praise the lord together y'all would stand and well look you're already doing it so we're going to take it back a little bit to an old school gospel hymn it's one that i used to do with my grandma that i liked really well a little bit upbeat it's a good good worship song glory glory positive this morning. I know it's been a rough week for a lot of you guys. I mean, I know um, I see a lot less red this morning than I normally would after week one. <laughs> I know it's been a rough week, but we're here. We're here with our brothers and sisters this morning, ready to worship. I know you're 0-1, but it's okay, all right? I'm glad you're with us this morning, all right? Hey, I got to get my shots in when I can because you're probably going to be 13-3 and three and win the Super Bowl again. So I got to get my shots in when I can, okay? All right, I'm just glad you're here. Let's go to the Lord in prayer, and then we'll do our welcoming time. Lord Jesus, I thank you, uh, God, that we're here, Lord, to worship you today, and we can have a joyous time in doing so. And, uh, Lord, I'm thankful for our church family. So just be with us this morning as we worship you in song, in giving, and a preaching of your word today. And in everything, God, we want to give you the praise and glory. It's in your name I do pray. Amen. Take a couple minutes. This morning, welcome everyone.
guys are on a roll this morning, aren't you? All right, you may be seated. Discipleship certificate to pass out. Bess, would you come on up here? You know you have high points in life and you have low points. That was a low point. Don't ever make a bet on a football game, okay? Well, Darlena and I have been studying the Word of God for several months, and she completed her discipleship, and we've had so much fun digging into the Word. And I just want to encourage anybody, I don't care if you're a new baby Christian or if you've been a Christian for a long time, if you've never done anything like this, it's, it's really, really good. And everybody learns things. I think there's questions that we forget to ask. We just kind of assume what we're taught. But to actually see it in the word, word like looking dead at it, there's no other question about it. And to use references to back that up, it's just amazing. And it brings that all to life to you. It's really important that you do that. Awesome. Yeah, discipleship is so important. So if you have questions about our discipleship program or maybe you uh, have never went through discipleship, it is, uh, I think, foundational and key to, as a follower of Christ that uh, we who have been Christians a while, we teach new Christians. And it, 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 you just teach them God's Word and you spend time with one another. It's so, so important. So a uh, great job on discipleship. Uh, men's Bible study tonight at 6 o'clock. Men's Bible study tonight at 6 o'clock. Uh, is on shoebox ministry list. I know I've seen it a couple times up there. Uh, the shoebox ministry, uh, we, we need about 50 boxes filled. So uh, you can, uh, if you want to take a couple of boxes and buy, there's a whole bunch of items you can put in those. It's through Franklin Graham Samaritan's Purse. We'll fill those end of Nov October, end of November. So you got a little bit of time, but we try to get 50 of them. So uh, how much stuff, you got anything brought in yet? Not, not very much brought in yet, so we'll try to make that a focus this week and next week. Grief share. I heard this went really good uh, Thursday night. We have grief share here at the church uh, every Thursday night from 6 to 8 uh, p.m. So if you know somebody, you don't have to be a member of the church or anything like that. Just if, if you know somebody who suffered loss, I invited somebody this week that I knew. Um, uh, I invited them Friday maybe, but I told them about it. So if you know somebody uh, that suffered loss in their life, Invite them to Grief Share. It's every Thursday night from 6 to 8 uh, here at the church. Every Thursday night from 6 to 8 here at the church. Uh, women's Monday night Bible study, 6 p.m. Are you doing it here or at, here at the church? Women's uh, Monday night Bible study here at the church at 6 o'clock uh, tomorrow night. And then the women's Sunday night uh, Bible study. The books are in. Uh, please see Miss Brenda. You want to wave at everybody right there? The books are in. It's on emotional victory. Cost is $11 uh, for a book. Uh, it's going to start on Sunday, September 27th at 6 p.m. Uh, so a couple more Sundays in the women's Bible study on Sunday night will be kicking off. And then this is right around the corner. I know Mike isn't here. He's on vacation this week to talk about this, Mike Simons. But uh, the fall outreach at the park. So every fall, we try to do a big outreach uh, at the park. It's going to be on Sunday, October 1st from 1 to 4. So if you would like to help with that, that would be greatly appreciated. Uh, the fall outreach at the park. We'll cook and have a bounce house. And, and we, basically, we just try to share the gospel. We'll have a service that afternoon uh, where we'll preach the gospel. Women's ministry announcements, uh, there's no women's breakfast meeting this week, 
But the recipe swap, uh, this is something that's coming up. The women's recipe swap is Friday, September 22nd. Now, are they cooking stuff and bringing it in and then... Okay, so you cook the item and then bring the recipe for it. So that's kind of what's going on. And this is a ladies-only event. Okay. Friday, September 22nd. There's the recipe. Ladies only. All right. Bring your favorite dish. But then whatever you have extra, bring it home to us, okay? Because we'll eat leftovers. <laughs> bring your favorite dish to share and recipe to swap. So uh, that'll be good. Anything else we got going on? I know we're going to be adding a whole bunch of stuff coming up uh, for Fall Fest. Fall Fest is going to be in October. Um, and Fall Fest this year, I'm excited about this. We're working out some of the details, but it's going to be at the same place we had it. But we're going to be celebrating that day, Crossbridge's 20th year uh, here. So 20 years. So it's going to be a 20-year celebration also. So what else we got? Six, six o'clock. Six o'clock uh, that night for the recipe swap. Okay. Any other announcements this morning? We're good? Okay, if you would stand, let's take up our morning offering and have our time of worship today before we jump into God's Word together. So let's go to the Lord and bless our morning offering. Lord Jesus, I thank you again, Lord, for the opportunity to be here this morning as we, uh, in our time of worship, Lord, we lift our voices in song, and I'm thankful to be here today, Lord, with my brothers and sisters, and uh, to teach your Word. And as we, uh, in our time of worship, Lord, we're going to give back uh, to you, and we're just stewards, uh, Lord. And so, Lord, let us be good stewards of what you've uh, given us to manage, and, and Lord, uh, let this be used to further your kingdom, because that's what we want to do. We, we, we should be as a church, Lord, about furthering your kingdom and not our own. So Lord, thank you for the opportunity to give to you this morning, and we love you. In your name I pray, amen. Everywhere I go on this road, high and low, where I go, I go. Yeah. 
did. I got to uh, coach my first uh, youth football game, and that's kind of cool. We won, and uh, which that makes it even better. But I mean, even if we didn't win, they played hard. I'm just a defense coach, so I ain't the lead coach or nothing, but uh, the defense killed it. So we got uh, five turnovers in the first uh, seven minutes. So it was a good game. Not to talk about football worship, but hey, praise the Lord that he gave us the strength to do it, right? So we're going to keep praising the Lord. This next one, we're going to slow it down. So you
Uh, children, second grade and below, you can go downstairs at Children's Church this morning. If you would, please remain standing. Let's honor God's word together. Genesis chapter 37. Genesis 37. Got quite a few verses this morning. 12 through 36. We're going to read through 24. And then we'll, we'll reference uh, more through that. But let's read 12 through 24. Well, we will be... Uh, in, in all of them this morning, 12 through 36. So let's start with verse 12. Genesis uh, chapter 37. It says this, Now his brothers went to pasture their father's flock near Shechem. And Israel said to Joseph, Are, you not, are, your, are not your brothers pasturing the flock at Shechem? Come, I will send you to them. And he said to him, Here I am. So he said to him, Go now, see if it is well with your brothers and with the flock, and bring me word. So he went... So he, he sent him from the valley of Hebron, and he came to Shechem. And a man found him wandering in the fields. And the man asked him, What are you seeking? I am seeking my brothers, he said. Tell me, please, where are they pasturing the flock? And the man said, They have gone away, for I have heard them say, Let us go to Dotham. So Joseph went after his brothers and found them at Dotham. They saw him from afar, and before he came near to them, they conspired against him to kill him. They said to one another, Here comes this dreamer. Come now, let us kill him and throw him into one of the pits. Then, he will say to a, then we will say that a fierce animal has devoured him, and we will see what will become of his dreams. But when Reuben heard it, he rescued him out of the sand, saying, Let us not take his life. And Reuben said to them, Shed no blood, throw him into this pit here in the wilderness, but do not lay a hand on him, that he might rescue him out of their hand to restore him to his father. Uh, to his fathers. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you, uh, Lord, this morning for your word. Um, Lord, this is a, a, something it seems like, Father, that just comes up every single year uh, in the church and, and that, that we preach on and it's in your word and there's a lot of repetition sometimes. And it, this, I think, Lord, is probably one of the number one things that um, can cause disunity uh, in our own hearts, in our families, in the church. And so, Lord, today I pray that we just open our hearts and our minds to receive uh, your word this morning and encourage us, uh, convict us, and let us be more uh, like you. In your name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. All right, so um, this is kind of part two from what we talked about last week. Um, and I'm glad that we're, we're going through this. There's just so much here. And last week we talked about the sin of partiality. And we looked at... Um, that, that Jacob had made Joseph his favorite. And that was very apparent because he made him a big coat of many colors. And his brothers knew that he was the favorite. And that caused big time issues in the family. Uh, and they became very jealous. They became very, very jealous of their brother. And that jealousy, as we see today, uh, it, it ends up not only with anger, but it ends up with hatred. Where they literally want to kill him. 
Um, and, and this passage, uh, it tells us that he loved him uh, a, a lot more. Uh, and, and these the, the other sons, his brothers, Joseph's brothers, did not handle uh, the sin in the right way. That they could have went to Joseph and they could have went to Jacob and confronted them and had peace, but that's not what they did. Uh, in this text today and on the verses that I didn't read, you're going to see even more that all of the brothers except Reuben wanted to kill Joseph. Reuben wanted to spare his life and send him back to Jacob. Uh, and so how did we get to this point in Joseph's life where his brothers wanted to murder him? Or at least, as you read on, they end up selling him into slavery. Uh, and what can we learn from this text today that applies to our own lives and dealing with sin? Uh, the first one I kind of talked about last week, but I want to go over it more in depth today. Uh, and, and that is the initial reaction to the sin. The initial reaction to the sin of uh, partiality and Joseph's boasting, really, because uh, he wore this coat around and then he had these dreams. And, and we talked about last week, could, could Joseph have kept those dreams to himself? Absolutely, uh, he could have, but Joseph was kind of an aggravator probably, and he wanted his brothers to know that he was the top dog, and that, that hey, my dad, dad loves me more than he loves you. I don't know if you ever heard the kids uh, bicker and that come out of their mouth, but it can easily, well, mom like, likes me more than she does you, or, you know, it just happens, right? And so he made sure that they knew that. So what was the initial reaction to the sin? If you go back to Genesis 37, 4, uh, the brothers saw that Jacob loved Joseph more than them, and they're angry about it. They're very, very angry. So the reaction to the sin of partiality, what it didn't do, uh, church, is it didn't bring peace or closure to the situation. What happened? Because of their initial reaction, which if they would have handled it right, it would have brought peace and closure. But because of their initial reaction to this, it brought about what? More sin. It leads them into more sin. And so when, when someone, how's this practical for us today? How's this apply for us today? And here's what I said in my prayer. I think, guys, honestly, that I, for some reason, I, this needs to be preached on every year. I think it should be preached on every single year because I think this is the number one way that Satan can bring disunity in your heart. As an individual, he can bring disunity in your family structure, and he can bring disunity to a church. And it's how we handle when someone sins against us. It's what is our reaction to that? What is our reaction? So when someone sins against us, there are two ways that we can handle it. And there are two ways that Joseph uh, could have handled, or his, excuse me, his brothers could have handled it. Number one, and the, really the one that I think we should do most because it shows the character of Christ the most, is just forgive them. When someone sins against you, you just forgive them. And we call that covering the sin. When I say covering the sin, it doesn't mean that you sweep it underneath the rug and you hide it. It's just that you forgive them. You cover the sin. It means that you forgive them without having to have a big confrontation about it. That you just recognize that they're a sinner just like you, and they're saved by grace just like you. And you forgive them. So turn to Colossians chapter 3. Here's some verses uh, that I want us to remember today and point to this. Colossians chapter 3. Verses 12 and 13. And I want you to notice the command that we're given here. Colossians 3, 12 through 13. It says this, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, 
bearing with one another. And if anyone has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. What are we reminded there? A couple of things. We're reminded of the forgiveness that Christ gave us. So whenever we get angry with someone, and are there times we're going to be upset with one another? Yes, yes, because we still have a sin nature. Every single one of us in here still have a sin nature. That doesn't go away. Paul addresses that over and over in the New Testament where he says, I want to do the right thing, but then I do the wrong thing. So are we going to, make, are we going to offend people? Are we going to say things that we shouldn't say and do things we shouldn't do? Yes, yes we are, church, because we have a sin nature. But when someone does that, and when someone sins against you, what is, what is our reaction? The first thing that we should do is remember how much we've sinned against God and how much he's forgiven us from. Remember how much he's forgiven us from. And then, you know what? Forgive them like he forgave you. That should be the first thing on our minds. Now, many times, Satan doesn't want that to be the first thing on our minds. He wants to get us, he wants to get us offended. And he wants us to get angry. And he wants it to turn into a big mess. Just like it did with Joseph and his brothers. Now, if they would have covered the sin, what would that have looked like? Well, we know that dad loved Rachel. And we know that dad had Joseph in his old age. And you know what? Dad just may be losing it a little bit. But he's still our dad and we love him. And we care for him. And we're just going to forgive him. They didn't do that. They didn't do that. Now... That situation may be really hard to do. I get it. We're going to get to a second option here in a second, okay? Ephesians 4, 31 and 32 says this. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. It's a verse I share a lot with my family. I share a lot with our church. We have to remember how much Christ has forgiven us from. So what does this look like in a practical sense? In a practical sense, someone sins against you and you forgive them. Someone sins against you and you forgive them. You don't become angry. You may initially be angry and upset, but then you forgive them. You don't talk bad about them. You don't go talk to somebody else about them. You don't try to stir it up. You just forgive them. You forgive them. You give them grace. You think the best of them. You know that they are your brother and sister in Christ, and you show them mercy. Listen, this should, this should be the most widely seen thing in a church body. In a church body of brothers and sisters in Christ, this should be seen more than anything. Why? Because it's reflecting the character of Christ. And we are supposed to represent the character of Christ on the earth, right? So we as ambassadors should be reflecting this character. We should be reflecting this. Ephesians 1.7 says, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. How much? Think about how much grace and mercy God has given us. Make it personal for myself and you. Think how much God has forgiven us from. And when you realize how much God's forgiven you from, you know what starts to happen with your anger? It starts to go away. And you start having mercy and grace on people. You start forgiving them. You forgive them because Christ has forgiven you. And you know what? Maybe they're having a really bad day. Maybe your brothers and sisters really had a bad day. And you know what? You have those too. You know that you have those too. And I'm thankful, church, that we serve a God 
We serve a Jesus that doesn't call down the fires of heaven upon us when we have a bad day. He doesn't do that, does he? What's he give us? Mercy and grace. And you say, you know what? Maybe they were having a horrible day. And I love them and I care about them. And you know what? Everybody has bad days. And I'm just going to forgive them because I care about them and I love them. That should be the number one response when people sin against us in our homes, in our lives, and in our church. Joseph's brothers could have just forgiven their father's sin. They could have forgiven it. They could have forgiven their brother's boasting. But they didn't. And what happens? When you don't, what happens? Sin grows. And Satan uses that as an opportunity. So that's the first thing. First thing, how do we handle it? We cover the sin. We forgive people. That should be the response 90% of the time. 90% of the time. All right, so I can't do that. Jeff, Pastor Jeff, there's just a situation. I just can't do that. Okay, now I'm glad that God gives us a way. He shows us. Now we have to confront. Confront. Many people don't like confrontation. They don't like confrontation. And if you're somebody who just hates confrontation, you don't like it, then you better get really good at number one. Because if you don't do number one, you don't have another option but number two. And number two is to go confront. So there are going to be times that something happens that we must confront and talk to the person about it. When we go and confront, what is the goal? Let's start with that. What's the goal? To seek closure, forgiveness, and reconciliation. The goal is not to prove that I'm right and you're wrong. The goal is not to win in arguments. The goal is not to make myself number one and you're down here. The goal is to have reconciliation, love, and forgiveness. And that was an option in this situation. With Joseph's brothers, they could have done that. They could have went to their father and confronted the sin. They didn't. Once again, they didn't. What did they do? They let it fester. And in fact, they, it festered so much in their heart, that sin grew so much in their heart, that when they saw him from a long ways away, he didn't even have to be in their presence. When they saw him from a long ways away, they said, let's kill him. Let's kill him. Just the sight of him. Have anybody like that in your life? Hopefully not that drastic. You know what this looks like? You see him from across Walmart, and you're like, I don't want to see that person. So you go the other way. You haven't forgiven them. If that's your attitude, you haven't forgiven them. That's just being honest. You avoid the people. You avoid them because you haven't forgiven them. James 1.15 says this, Then desire, when it is conceived, gives birth to sin, and when sin it is fully grown, brings forth death. What happens? Sin starts to manifest. It grows. And the longer that Joseph's brothers didn't get this problem taken care of, what happened? It grew. It grew. It grew in their heart. It grew. Their anger about Jacob's sin kept growing, and it was getting worse. And listen to me, Satan was looking to devour them. And he's looking to devour you. He is looking to get you. 1 Peter 5.8 says, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. He will devour you any way he can. And if that is over unforgiveness or anger or hatred, he will do it. He will do it. He will devour you in your heart. He will devour your family where it destroys your family. Was Joseph's family utterly destroyed over this? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, 
in the end, we know what happens, that God can bring reconciliation. But there's a horrible time period here where their family's destroyed. Destroyed. Because they didn't handle the sin the right way. They didn't handle it the right way. Can churches be destroyed by Satan? Absolutely. The number one way, unforgiveness. People not forgiving one another. People not forgiving one another. So what does this look like? What does confronting sin look like? I love, I love that we, have, we serve a God that gives us all the answers right here in his word. Turn to Matthew chapter 18. A lot of you know where I was going with this. And I've preached on this, I think, probably once a year. Every, time, every year I've been here. And it just happened this week. This is where it's at. Matthew 18, 15 through 20. Because we have to be on guard against this, church. We have to be on guard against this in our hearts, in our own lives, and in the church. Matthew 18, 15 through 20. Jesus says here, If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. What's the first step? You go to him one-on-one. Just you and your brother. So if, if I've sinned against somebody, they come to me and we work it out. And we talk about it. Do they go tell everybody else? No. Do I go tell everybody else? No. We work it out. One-on-one. Verse 16. But if he does not listen, take one or two others along with you that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. So you go, somebody that knows about the situation, that knows about what happened, and you take them with you. And you go have a meeting with the person. This is attempt number two, right? You don't give up after one. You don't say, I'm done with the person. It's not what you do. You go back. Let me finish the verses, and then we'll go through this. But if he has not listened, take one or two others along with you, that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. Truly I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Again, I say to you, if two, if two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them by the Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among them. Okay, so what's this look like? Number one, you go to the person, you work it out, you be humble, you forgive one another. That doesn't work, you take someone else with you. What's the goal again? Not to win, not to be right, for reconciliation and forgiveness. That doesn't work, then you take it to church leadership. Not the first phone call should be to me. Hey Jeff, Jeff, I need to talk to you about this situation. This person has sinned against me. You know what my number one answer is going to be? I will say 100% of the time. Have you talked to the person? If you say no, you know what I'm going to say? Go talk to the person. If we need to get involved, eventually we will. Right? These are the steps. These are the steps. Joseph's sons skipped all, or excuse me, Jacob's sons skipped all those steps. Israel's sons skipped all those. So there's the two choices. You either cover the sin or you confront the sin. What's the goal? Reconciliation, repentance, forgiveness. Now here's the whole key. I want you to remember this. When you say you forgive someone, we have to have the forgiveness that Christ gave us. So what is that? I've used this verse a lot. It's Psalms Psalm 103.12, as far as the east is from the west, 
So far does he remove our transgressions from us. So what does that look like? When you forgive somebody, you forgive them as far as east is from the west. That means it's not used in an argument three years from now. It's not stored in the memory bank so you can go back and get them sometimes. Do you remember what you did against me? Because that means you didn't really forgive them. When you forgive them, you forgive them. And you move on. And you don't store it in the memory bank. Listen, is that hard? Yeah. 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 Whoever said it's easy being a Christian just lied. Because it's not. These are difficult things to do. But this is what we're called to do. This is what we're called to do. And now listen, guys, here's the consequence. You say, I just don't want to have confrontation. And you don't understand, I'm an unforgiving person. And I don't want to have confrontation. Okay, there's consequences for that. There's consequences for that. If that's our attitude, if you say, I'm just an unforgiving person, I don't want to forgive people, I want to be done with people, or I don't like confrontation and I can't have these tough conversations. Jesus didn't say in Matthew 18, go to the person unless you have difficult with tough conversations. He didn't say that. So we can't say that. So here's the second thing. Not covering or confronting, it brings about more sin. It brings about more sin. If you go down and read the verses 23 through 28, what do the brothers do? They dig a hole. They throw them in one of these pits. They sell them into slavery. They sell them into slavery. Some, I believe it was Midianite traders are coming through. And they sell them to Egypt. He goes to Egypt. Now God uses all these things. Does God use this situation for his glory? Yes, he does. But did they still do the wrong thing? Yes, they did. Yes, they did. God still could have used it for his glory if they had done the right thing. Probably even more. Okay, But they throw him into a pit. They sell him into slavery. They dip his coat in lamb's blood or in blood and take it to his father and lie to their father and say he was eaten. And bring about grief. Can you imagine the grief? Can you imagine the grief that that brought their father? His wailing and crying, and they knew while his father was doing that, they were lying the whole time. They were lying about it. Man, we see this progression of sin in the situation. We see it progress. And they knew, listen to me, they knew what they were doing was wrong. They knew what they had done was absolutely wrong. How do I know that? Flip over a couple of chapters. Go to Genesis 42. Go to Genesis 42. They didn't think, oh, he deserves this. They knew what they had done was wrong. Genesis 42, verses 21 and 22. It says, Then they said to one another, In truth, we are guilty concerning our brother, and that we saw the distress of his soul when he begged us, and we did not listen. This is why this distress has come upon us. And Reuben answered them, Did I not tell you not to sin against the boy, but you did not listen? So now there comes a reckoning for his blood. They knew what they had done was wrong. Reuben tried to tell them. Reuben said, Don't do this. And they didn't listen. They didn't listen. They, they wanted him. They wanted it over. They didn't want to have any do with them. And so they knew, but they knew what they were doing was wrong. And they thought that they could get away with it. They thought they could get away with it, but we can't get away with it. There was a reckoning for his brothers. We're going to learn about that later on. It's an amazing story. But there's a reckoning. And, and Joseph doesn't get better at not aggravating because he does. You'll learn that later on too. 
But the brothers knew what they were doing was wrong. They didn't handle Jacob's sin correctly. And then, that, and then because they didn't handle it correctly, it became sin in their own life. Even though they weren't initially the sinners. They hadn't done anything wrong. They're serving their father. They're out working in the flocks. They're working hard. And Jacob's sin, Jacob sins against his sons by, so, by doing what? The sin of partiality. We talked about that last week, right? So he sins against his sons, and his sons don't handle it the right way. And because they don't handle it the right way, it becomes sin in their own life. Man, that's a progression of sin. Think about that. Think about that for us. Somebody sins against us. You're innocent. You haven't done anything wrong. But because we don't handle it the right way, it now becomes sin in our own life. Hey, I don't know about you guys, but I don't need any more sin than I can handle in my own life that I don't dish out on my own. I certainly don't need it compounding on because I don't handle something the right way. And then what I say, this has consequences. It directly affects when it becomes sin in our life, then it becomes directly affects our relationship with God. I read this verse last week, and I want to read it again, because it's right here. Matthew 5, 23 and 24 says, So if you're offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother, then, and come, then come and offer your gift. What is, that? What is Jesus saying? Jesus is literally saying, don't worship me. Don't worship me if you know your brother is angry with you or you're angry with your brother. Don't bother singing the worship songs. Don't bother putting money in the offering. That's what he's saying until you get it taken care of. Because you know what it is? It's sin in our life then. It's sin. And Jesus says, take care of the sin before you worship me. Take care of the sin. Joseph's brothers didn't go and get, get the sin of their, their father and Joseph's boasting taken care of. So what happened? It became sin on them. And that can easily happen to us today. And all the while, what is Satan doing? He's creating division. He's creating division. Division in the family of Jacob. Division in our families. And division in the church. Yeah, but Jeff, you don't understand. I want to be done with the person. I want to be done with them. They're always sinning against me. You don't understand. You don't understand this person like I do. You know who else thought of that? Peter. Peter thought of the same thing. How, how often, Lord, do I have to forgive the person? What I say that God's word doesn't ever leave us void in any of this. Go back to Matthew 18 real quick. Go back to Matthew 18. The next set of verses, after Jesus says go, and this is how the process for confronting sin, look what Peter says. I love Peter. He has a great answer because he would have answered just like we would have. He says, then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Jesus says, go forgive him. Peter says, well, how many times should I then? As many as seven times, Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times. What did Jesus say? All right, now, please, don't take a calendar or a notebook out and mark till you get to 77. It's not what Jesus is saying. 
he's making a drastic case of you keep forgiving them. Is this what he says next? Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he, brought, when, when he began to settle, one was brought into him who owed him 10,000 talents. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had in payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, Have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. Remember, this is about the kingdom of heaven. This is about salvation. 28. But when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, pay me what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will pay you. He refused and he went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw he had taken place, they were greatly distressed, and they went and reported to the master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all the debt because you pleaded with me. And should not you have mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in his anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he he should pay all of his debt. So also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. Oh, whoa, hold on here, hold on here. Jesus is absolutely hammering down. You know what he's saying? He's saying, if I have forgiven you all that you have done, all your lying and stealing and cheating through your whole life, for you to not forgive somebody else shows that you're not one of my followers. That's what he's saying. He, Jesus is telling them, forgive your brothers. If you forgive your brothers and sisters, it shows that you're truly a follower of Christ. People who are unforgiving and hold hatred in their hearts have never experienced the forgiveness that Christ gave them or wants to give them. When you ha- Listen, church, when we've experienced the forgiveness that Christ has gave, given us, it becomes a lot easier and we forgive others. The hallmark... One of the marks of being a follower of Christ is being able to forgive people. Forgiving others as Christ has forgiven you. When we forgive, what are we showing? We're showing Christ. We're showing Christ. I want you to think back this morning. And I'm closing here. I want you to think back this morning about all that Christ has forgiven you from. Think about everything he's forgiven you from. The lies. The hatred, covetousness. Think about all your sins. Think about that. And think about how many times you've came to him in your life asking for forgiveness. Has he ever cast you out? Mm -mm. In fact, he promises that he will forgive you. 1 John 1.9 says if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He promises us that he'll forgive us. Listen, let's start with this. Maybe today you've never confessed to him that you're a sinner in need of him. Maybe you have never believed on the Lord Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross. You need to put your faith and trust in what he did for you on the cross. And you know what that does? It changes you. It changes your life. It changes your heart. It changes your standing with God. And you're justified. But it also changes your ability to forgive people. It changes your life. You have no longer the same desires that you used to have. You need to believe in that. Believe that he rose again.
and then you'll be forgiven. For my brothers and sisters here this morning, when you forgive each other, when you forgive, you're showing the character of Christ. You're literally showing Christ. There may be a situation, listen, it could be back from your childhood. It could be somebody that's dead and you've never forgiven them. And you know what? It ain't bothering them. But it's eating you. It's bothering you. You need to forgive them. We need to forgive. We forgive. It's, it hurts us. There, there may be people in this body today, in your families, maybe your parents, maybe your in-laws, maybe your cousins, I don't know. Maybe people in this church body today that you need to go to. If so, go to them. Go to them. Go to them. Get it taken care of. Have reconciliation. Jesus says, don't worship me till you've done that. Don't worship me till you've done that. You may be here and say, Jeff, I don't know how I could forgive that person from my past. I don't know how to do it. I don't know how to forgive them. I'm struggling with this. You know what you need to do? Get down on your knees. Come and pray about it. And say, Lord, give me the strength and the ability to forgive this person. That they've done something horrible when I was a kid. They've horribly sinned against me and my family. And I need to forgive them. They may not be here anymore. Maybe you need to, and it's not bothering, like I said, it's not bothering them. It's bothering you. That's how we get these things taken care of. Ask him for the strength. I believe with all my heart for us to really have unity as a body on a consistent basis, year after year, decade after decade. We must forgive each other. We must show each other mercy and grace. The same forgiveness that Christ showed us. And when we forgive, it has to be like Christ. As far as as the east is from the west. It's not brought up later. It's just forgiven. Because you know what? Everybody in here is a sinner. Everybody in here needs forgiveness and mercy and grace. And if you can't forgive people, Jesus says, how have you received my forgiveness then? How can you say you're a follower of mine if you don't forgive people? I'm asking you to stand this morning. I understand this has been, this is challenging. This is a challenging thing. I get it. I'm not saying it's not easy. Like I said earlier, whoever said being a follower of Christ was easy just probably wasn't a follower of Christ. It's not. He doesn't challenge us. He doesn't call us into an easy walk. He calls us into a life of picking up our cross daily and following Him. Dying to self to live for Him. If you need to come this morning, I'll pray with you. If you have people in your life that you are harboring unforgiveness to, get it taken care of. Whether it's people here, whether it's people that have already died, humble yourself. Get down on your knees and get it taken care of. Because it, ref- it is going to affect your relationship with God. It's going to affect your relationship with your kids. You're going to teach them how to not forgive. It's going to have lasting consequences. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you, God, this morning for your word. So many lessons here, and these are tough to apply. Lord, I pray that we are um, a body that is forgiving towards one another. And we don't let these things fester. And we don't let Satan get a foothold in our lives or in our church. The Lord, we are showing each other the same forgiveness that you showed us. Lord, we should set an example in this. 
Lord, in all things, we love you and we thank you. In your name I pray. Amen.
quick is there we have people continuing to pray. We're going to have them sing one more. Um, something I totally forgot from this sermon, I was reminded just a few minutes ago, that, I, that this could have been another point in the sermon. We have to forgive ourselves also. And if you don't forgive yourself for things that you've done in your life, you, you need to be re- reminded that when Christ forgave you, he removed it once again as far as he sits from the West. So don't go back and rehash the sins that you've committed in your life. When, when we become followers of Christ, guess what? We're new creations. The old is gone. So let it be gone. Don't go back. As, you, know what, you know what happens? If Satan can remind us of our previous life, you know what it does? He says, you can't, how can you teach a class? How can, you, how can you walk into church and not burst into flames because of the life that you've lived? He will remind you of that. You know what it does? It holds you back. It holds you back from serving Him, from just accepting the forgiveness that you have available to Him through the cross. And and when He forgives you, He forgives you. So let it go. Let it go. I was reminded of that. I'm thankful for that. That's a whole other point. I'm not going to preach another sermon, but that would preach. You understand? Let's sing one more verse if you need to come. So here I am to worship. Here I am to bow down, here I am to say that you're my God. You're altogether lovely, altogether worthy, altogether wonderful to me. coming today benediction is hebrews 10 17 remember this he says then he adds i will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more man god doesn't remember our sins or lawless deeds anymore that's amazing that is what ultimate forgiveness he doesn't remember them and and god knows everything he knows everything and he says i don't remember them wow that's awesome our missionary from florida that we just sent out three weeks ago, is, is back in town for Save Our City. He's going to be with us for a couple weeks. Uh, his lovely wife, is she was at a baptism? No. Her sister was saved at Save Our City, and she was going with her this morning. Come here. Close us in prayer, my friend. Father, we come before you today, and we are just so grateful and thankful for your forgiving power. And let us not ever forget what your son did on the cross for us. Let us take that home with us. Um, Let us not forget it from the pew to the parking lot, Father. Um, So thank you for that. And I pray that if there's somebody in here still struggling with forgiveness, that they can just lay that at your feet. Um, For Jeff and the word today. And um, we love you and we praise you. It's in your son Jesus' name. Amen.